uh, Dave and Jessica from Deedsville, all the way from Deedsville. Amen, Simon and 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 uh, Miss Kim, all the way from Prattville. Amen. Tristan, all the way from Auburn. Yeah. There's people tuned in from Tennessee. I know my daughter-in-law is, Amen. and uh, possibly Marissa and uh, Hannah. And uh, we're grateful. No telling who else in the world is watching here at Bethel. And we're grateful for that. We don't take it for granted. So we just bless you in Jesus' name. And I want to take you, first of all, to Ecclesiastes chapter 3. And let's look at verse 10. I need to borrow three chairs. Yeah. I need three chairs just kind of facing each other right here. Some of you strong guys can do that for me. Ooh, I feel the Lord in the house. Yeah, thank you. Oh, one facing this way, one facing kind of, yeah, it's in my circle. Yeah, awesome. That's perfect. Yeah, yeah, right over there. Solomon is having a midlife crisis. He's got a thousand women. He married 700 wives and has 300 concubines. Now, I don't know that that might be the level of the crisis, but I could say that could put you in a tailspin right there. Right? So he started out very well, but Ecclesiastes means the preacher, and he's in a midlife crisis. He's really struggling. So he, he says in verse 9, what profit remains for the worker from his toil? This is the Amplified Classic. I've seen the painful labor and exertion and miserable business which God has given to the sons of men with which to exercise and busy themselves. Now, let me tell you the reason he wrote that is because of the state of mind he's in. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Look at your neighbor and tell him it's my time. He also has planted eternity in men's hearts and minds. A divinely implanted sense of a purpose working through the ages which nothing under the sun but God alone can satisfy. Twice important for us to be effervescent. Not like plop, plop, fizz, fizz, right? It's to be an expression of who lives in us. He's made everything. He's planted eternity. Can you ever remember a time when you did not exist? You can't, can you? Come on, somebody. Ooh. I try to think about what it was like when I didn't know anything and I can't remember. Because he's put eternity in my heart. Can you ever imagine a time when you won't be cognizant 
We don't like to think about that. But he's put eternity in our hearts. Even those that don't know him have eternity in their hearts. That void can only be filled with himself. He says, Yet so that men cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end, I know that there's nothing better for them to be glad and to get and to do good as long as they live. And also that every man should eat and drink and enjoy the good of all his labor. It is the gift of God. I know that whatever God does and endures forever, nothing can be added to it or nor anything taken from it. And God does it so that men will reverently fear him, revere and worship him knowing that he is. That which is now already has been. And that which is to be already has been. And God seeks that which has passed by so that history repeats itself. Let's look down to verse 22. I saw that there's nothing better than that a man should rejoice in his own works for that's his portion For who shall bring him back to see what will happen after he's gone? Now look at Genesis chapter 2, verse 31. I'm sorry. Yeah. Here we go. No, I'm sorry. Not. There's not a 31, is it? Okay, I'm sorry. Chapter 1, the last verse. Yeah, 31 and chapter 1. I knew I'd get centered up sooner or later. This is after he said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness. And God saw everything that he had made. And behold, this is the only time in in Genesis 1 where you see the adjective very. Behold, it was very good. And he approved it completely. And that was evening and this morning and the morning and it was the sixth day. It was very good. Now go over with me to Revelation 19 verse 10. John is in the presence of the Lord and he's receiving the revelation of Jesus Christ. And he's about to worship the messenger. And the messenger says, don't do it. I'm a servant like you. I fell at his feet to worship him and he said to me, see you do it not. I'm your fellow servant and of your brethren that have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Now it's important to know what Miss Sister Martha did was kind of confirm where the Lord wanted me to go because that's the testimony of Jesus, the spirit of prophecy. It means something that when you talk about what he's done, remember Ecclesiastes, what that has, that had been, that that, that is has already been. It's like the testimony of Jesus that the witness of the victories and the wholeness and the healing and the forgiveness is a prophetic word to those who need some hope to know that he'll do the same for you. 
he'll do the same for you. He sustained us. We're here because he sustained us. When you think about the time that we're living in, the, the time that we're living in is so critical that we understand like the sons of, of Issachar. They, they were able, they were some of the men of David or, or men of, uh, that was chosen uh, to lead Israel because they could discern the times and understood what Israel should do. It's important because we all get to the place where we really don't know what to do. Uh, when the chaos and all the, the, the stuff that's going on in the world, and you can't really focus on that because Paul tells us in the scriptures in Philippians, he said, what sort of things are true? What sort of things are of good report? What sort of things are honest? What sort of things have virtue? And he goes on down the list. He said, think on these things. And the peace of God will keep your heart and mind. And you understand that, that we've got to choose what we think about, what we meditate on. So when the testimony of Jesus comes, it resonates with our spirit that he is for me. Romans 8.31, what shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, who could be against us? If he spared not his own son, but offered him up for us all, how will he not with him freely give us all things? Oh my goodness. So I want you to think about that. In the beginning, it was Father, Son, and Spirit. God said, let there be light. And the Holy Spirit was hovering over the darkness, the chaos. And God spoke. And it was. Now I want you to notice that in this circle, Father, Son, and Spirit, if you read John chapter 1, it said in the beginning was the word, logos, the spoken word, speaking word. And the word was with God and the word was God. That word with is a weak English translation. I know people get a little upset with me because some are King James only, ver King James version only. And I'm, I'm not trying to criticize anybody. But I can tell you when you do research and you understand the weakness of the human language or the English language to, to define the Hebrew. Brother John sends me a new word every week, and a Hebrew word, and I love it because it goes deep into the heart of the Father. Because that word with is a word pros, P-R-O-S. It means to be face to face. And the word was face to face with the Father. That's relationship. I want you to see in this circle, Father, Son, and Spirit. Take you to another passage over in John 14. Where he said, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm going to send you another comforter. The spirit of truth that the world cannot receive. When he's come, he's going to guide you into all truth. He will not speak of himself, but whatever he speaks, whatever he's shown, he will take of mine and show it to you. He will speak of that that I give to him. When you think about this, it's beautiful. In this circle... I want you to see something today. If, if, if 
that's, that's so important for you and me. Let's see. He says, let's start at verse 11. Believe me that I'm in the Father and the Father is in me. Or else believe me for the very work's sake. At least let these works that I do in my Father's name convince you. He said, the works that I do are the works I've seen my Father do. And the words I speak are the words I've heard my Father say. I assure you, you, most solemnly, I tell you, if anyone steadfastly believes in me, this is Jesus, he will himself be able to do the things that I do. And he will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. What's he doing? He's sitting face to face. Doing what? Interceding. He said, said, I'll do... I myself will grant whatever you ask in my name as presenting all that I am so that the Father may be glorified and extolled in and through the Son. Verse 18, I will not leave you as orphans, comfortless, desolate, bereaved, forlorn, or helpless. I will come back to you. Just a little while now, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Come on. I'm telling you, when Bethel worship team was worshiping, I I could see Jesus all over them. I could sense his presence, and I was so blessed. He says, just a little while now, the world will not see me, but you'll see me because I live, you will live also. Eternity. At that time, when that day comes, you will know for yourselves that I'm in my Father And you are in me. And I am in you. Look at your neighbor and tell tell them, it's my time. time. Because I've been included. God does not do abandonment. I want to tell you what this circle represents. Father, Son, and Spirit. The Father, Son, and Spirit is so important because these three are one. The Son is in the Father. The Father's in the Son. And the Holy Spirit is in the Father and the Son, and they are in Him. They are, this, is a, this is not self-centered love. This is perfect love. Amen. They're there to give themselves to each other. This is not self-centered. It's selfless. Amen. It's other-centered. Who was it? Brother Allen. Read from 1 John chapter 4. Talked about how God is love. I'm telling this love is beautiful. It's beautiful. And the very tool the enemy uses is to question who God is and what God has said. Because the first thing he did with Adam and Eve, he, he, when Eve was there at the tree, the forbidden, I think he was in that tree. And he was, he was taking the fruit To show her how good it looked. And he was dressing it up to be something other than what God said. He was making her think that God's holding something from you. Because he says, did God really say that? Did he really say that? He knows that when you eat that fruit, you're going to be like him. Well, they already were. 
Notice he said in Genesis chapter 131, and he saw everything he had made after man, everything was very good. The only time it uses that very. Every other time, it, God saw that it was good. God saw that it was good. Every time he created something, it, God saw that it was good. But when it came to us, come on, the, the gospel is really better news than we believed, than we thought. It's gooder. <laughs> come on, somebody. It's, it's gooder than, uh, it, because there's such a freedom and a victory. And, and I want you to see this love, Father, Son, and Spirit giving themselves totally to each other because that's what this love is. You understand God was not lonely when he created us. He didn't create us because he needed us. Come on, I'm gonna help somebody. He created us and we are here because he wanted us because love needs somewhere to express itself. So he picked you. That They were totally content giving themselves to each other, but I believe in the mind of God before time and eternity. Come on, you understand? He was already thinking about you and me. He saw that it was very good. Do you understand that? What Solomon is writing is truth because he's been given the wisdom of God and he said everything is beautiful in its time. If you read the previous verses, it talks about a time to be born and a time to die. It's talking about physical death. It's a time to plant and a time to pluck up. A time to laugh and a time to mourn. I have more times of laughing than I do mourning. Come on. Because I wouldn't know what really joy was unless I'd been through a valley. Unless I'd felt the pressure. The victory wouldn't be nearly as sweet. You understand that, that we're living in a broken world and the Bible said it rains on the just and the unjust. But, but I can tell you something about this love. This love is without respect of persons. Amen. This love is not based upon perfection. Let me help somebody. <laughs> it's not even based on performance. Because we've been taught many ways in my own life, I'm talking from personal experience. If I, if I can do good enough, then I can get God to love me more. I missed it. Well, I know he's probably disappointed with me because I can't measure up to his standard. I found out the reason God hates sin is the same reason he hates car wrecks because it hurts what he loves. <laughs> it hurts what he loves. And, and you understand that, that this love is so perfect. This is beautiful. Father, Son, and Spirit. But he didn't, he didn't leave us out. He included us. The depth of how you receive that and walk in that will really, really 
determine of how, how you walk in victory and, and, and overcoming power. It don't mean you won't ever have any problems or losses or experience uh, the struggles that we as humans do, but it's an opportunity. That's why Peter said, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial as though some strange thing happened to you because what's happening is God's working a far more exceeding weight of glory than you could even see or understand because he knows that you're going to be all right because he's already designed it because that which was already is and that which has been is it, that which is going to be has already been because God already has figured it out. Not that he had to say, I got an idea. He's all knowing. So you understand this beautiful picture of this father's love that he wants to bring us into this circle. We've been included. <laughs> Give me one more chair, somebody, please. Thank you, Donald. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Three Hebrew boys in captivity, Nebuchadnezzar, Daniel, four of them. Thank you. Know whose chair that is, right? Amen. Nebuchadnezzar, his henchmen had, were plotting the destruction of the people of God, especially those three Hebrew boys and Daniel who seemed to be just getting better and better every day. People ask me all the time, how you doing? You know the answer to that, right? I'm just getting better all the time. You know what? I know when Dixie had that commercial, but I, I tell them, I said, that, that's not a commercial now, but it could be. Not for the good, the good beef people. <laughs> for you and me. Because the Bible said the pathway of the righteous grows brighter and brighter into the perfect day. Come on, you understand today when you woke up, it was in the mind of God. He already planned for your day to go better and brighter. You understand when you wake up in the morning, what causes the devil to be afraid is the fact that every day that you wake up, the pathway of the righteous grows brighter and brighter under the perfect day that he will perfect that that concerns me. Let me tell you something. The, 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 the enemy will try to make you feel like God is looking for perfection because He's per perfect. But no, no, no. You see, there was only one who was perfect and he's seated with the Father making intercession for us because he's still flesh and bone. Do you understand? He's in a new body. Jesus is in flesh and bone sitting by his right. Uh, he, he is us. He's representing you and me in a body. Hallelujah. He said, Father, I know how they feel. I felt what they feel. I know what they're thinking. I know, Lord. Uh, help me, Holy Spirit. I I want you to come, Holy Spirit, renew their thinking. I want you to renew their minds. Help them to begin to see what I see. You know, the Holy Spirit, he, he doesn't come to give us some kind of pipe dream or something that's temporal. The Holy Spirit comes and Jesus said, well, he's going to take what's mine and show it to you so that we become the words I speak are the words I've heard my father. Lord speak, my Father. The works I'm doing, I've seen my Father do those works. Because the scripture says, John goes on to say in that same chapter, as he is, 
so are we in this world. Well, if you read on in chapter 19, John said, I saw a man sitting on a white horse. He had a vesture dipped in blood. On his thigh written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He is called Faithful and True. John chapter 14, verse 6. I am the way, the truth, and the life. But he got to read the verses prior to that because he said, Don't let your heart be troubled. The devil's in the phone booth right down down on 911. Because I didn't turn up where he thought I would. If he knew he was going to push me this far, he wouldn't have kept pushing. (laughs) Woo! But since he don't know, (laughs) praise the Lord, you know what he's pushing me into? He's pushing me into Psalm 23 in the last verse. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. So when he pushes me, he pushes me right back into goodness and mercy. Come on, you understand that when you back it up, you're doing okay because he's got you covered. He's he's behind you. He's before you. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me. He will go before me and set my feet on a plane path. He'll set me on a solid rock. Why? Because I'm perfectly loved. That love's beautiful. It's it's other-centered. Let me tell you about the Father. He, He is not some egotistical narcissist who demands No, he's not looking for perfection or, or performance. Me and Brother Andy talked about it. He's looking for permission. He's willing, but are we willing? He's not going to violate our will. He's not going to violate our will. I woke up this morning. I looked out the glass while my wife was getting ready. I'm glad it took her as long as it did. (laughs) I told her she was pretty when she was done. I said, that's a new coat, ain't it? She said, no, I've had that thing for years. I said, it's new to me. So, yeah, right. But I, I looked out the glass windows at the pond and there's, I thought at first was a duck. Because I got ducks and geese, we'll, we got ducks and geese that fly in. It was like nine o'clock, and it looked kind of strange. And then I saw its little head. It was a little young otter standing in the shallow part of the water up to here, with its hands up like this, just looking around. I said, "Lord, you just did that for me, didn't you?" He said, "You happened to look out at the right time." Because there's a testimony about me. Then I looked and I saw, he, he kind of dove. I'm, I'm really concerned from my brim and, and catfish and so forth. Because otters, they love fish. So I'm praying. So the Lord knows all about that. I, I asked a, a game warden, I said, what do we do about otters? He said, well, he said, they'll help the balance in the pond. I said, what happens if you have too many otters? 
He said, well, that could be a problem. <laughs> so, so I looked and I saw something moving in the woods. This beautiful sunshine. And I saw, well, that, what is that? And it comes out on the dam of the pond. It's a deer. And it's smelling the ground. And it's in a hurry. And then all of a sudden I saw another one out front. It was trailing the other one. And I said, Lord, you just did that for me, didn't you? He said, as the deer pants after the water brooks, I want your soul to pant after me because I'm the one that can satisfy your thirst. I can satisfy your hunger. I can give you every, as I take care of that otter and I take care of those deer and the birds in the tree, as I take care of all of creation and he's made everything beautiful in his time. He said, Jesus said it like this. He said, if he sees the sparrow, that have never had a sparrow with a hobo sack on its shoulder knocking on the window saying, can you spare some seed? Come on, somebody. He said, if the lily of the field is clothed, and Solomon in all his splendor, the one that wrote Ecclesiastes, was not arrayed like one of these, how much more will your heavenly Father take care of you? Don't you stand with me. He's put it eternity in our hearts. Why? Because he wants to live with it. He wants to, to have his mentality. Amen. Yesterday as I stood, I was the last one to speak. The only minister that they asked to do, because Dorothy asked, Brother Pastor. Yes, yes. Remember, she, if you were here when she was here, she, she didn't wait. If I'm standing up on the stage, doesn't matter what's going on, and she shows up, she's going to say, Hey, Brother Pastor! Yeah. I, I took, there was two things about that that really I was, I was just blessed by. That expression was a, an, her expression of delight, but it was also an expression of her way of respect. And I didn't take that lightly. So what an honor. As I stood there, I begin to talk about the goodness of God. Remember Genesis 1, 31? He saw everything he made and it was very good. So I want you to see yourself in the light of who he is. Perfect love, this beautiful love. Oh yeah, I heard you, Holy Spirit. This is the circle of love. This is that total giving of ourselves. So I want to ask you a question. How do you see yourself in light of this? Is this your chair? He saved you a seat? Absolutely. Paul said in Ephesians 2.6, He has raised us up together. And made us sit together with Him in heavenly places. I want to know. I want you to know you've been included. You've been invited. And if you're here and you feel really drawn 
I want you to just come sit in one of those chairs. I know there's not a chair for everybody, but just, just try it. Think about this amazing love. That's, you know what Jesus was? He was God's gift. For God so loved the world that he gave his only eternal son. It's our gift. Totally gave him. But the, Jesus was in court. He's one with the Father. So he totally gives himself to you and me. Totally. That's what covenant is. It's the giving of persons. We're in covenant in this new covenant. And I want you to understand. If you would like to, if you feel, if you felt the pressures and you felt kind of disconnected or outside the circle and, and you just need some comfort, you just need the Lord. Maybe you're here and the Holy Spirit's turning the lights on for you that you begin to see Jesus is your salvation, that He is your hope and He's your help. He's your future. He's your prosperity. He's everything you need because Paul, John said it like this, Beloved, I wish above all things. That word wish is really should be pray. I'm praying that you prosper and are in health even as your soul prospers. Now, do you think John would have prayed that for Gaius if it was not the will of God? So I want to pray for you. Father, thank you for wholeness. They told me yesterday, they said, Dorothy always said, call Brother Pastor, he can get a prayer through. He said, she would come to the altar. It's not just about me. You can get a prayer. God sees your prayer just as much as he sees mine. Having this confidence that he who started a good work in you will complete it. I speak to every abnormality. I speak to high blood pressure, blood sugar. I spool in the name of Jesus, and he's willing. I, I command it to be gone. I command every high thing that it exalt itself against the knowledge of God and his will in your life to be cast down. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Now, I want to do something else. I'm just going to obey the Holy Spirit. While Dwayne's doing that, I hope you're not in a hurry. He's in the house. I want a prayer line right here. If you want prayer for any situation, family, relational, physical, emotional, salvation, whatever it is, I want you to line up right here. Jesus.